Motorcycle racing happened over the weekend, and that's why we're here. Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, a name that is infamous across the fine United States of America. People know it far and wide. Motorcycle fans, racing fans, motorcycle racers, golfers. See, this, yeah, right. this is the golfers. problem. This is the problem wow. right here. It's globally, not just across the you know, nation, you know, global. Globally. Yeah. Global. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Lowe's <laughs> knows who you are. Yeah. I Jonathan got Ray knows your name. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I get it. By the way, this, this podcast is presented by Bike911.com. Alex Asante knows who I am. He knows who Alex I am. Asante. That's right. He's the guy. Bike911.com. Make sure you go to the website. Check it out. If you need some legal advice, need some help, you're in California especially, give our boy a jingle. You might be asking yourself right now, why is the mouthpiece yakking and going on and on about Jason Pridmore being globally known? Well, this is going to play into it. First of all, Jason, how was your week the last week? <laughs> this is going to play into it, is it? Um, That's right. Hey, my week was better. My hand is starting to improve. I went and saw Doc Bryan. And, uh, like, man, G-Dub, it's been so depressing just being hurt the whole time and not really being able to do anything. You know, it's funny. I can – it's my ankle bugs me, right? So I can ride a motorcycle and it doesn't. Um. My wrist was killing me, so I couldn't play any golf. But I could still ride a motorcycle. I mean, I could still do some things, but you couldn't. I couldn't get on with it. But so, Doc Bryan last week, I was sitting on my couch when we got home from from uh, Road America, and I I called him at ten thirty, and I said, "Man, I can't even get into this other specialist for another week plus." He goes, "Well, when do you want to come down?" I said, "As soon as I can." I I left my house ten minutes later and went down there, and we did a ton of X rays, and I'd have had MRIs and all that. But it's actually getting better, and I've been able to get out a little bit, which has been nice. And I got a big week ahead of me, G-Dub. I don't even think you know what I'm doing this week. I don't know what you're doing this week, but I'll recap my week. That's here. I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. That's good. Yeah, you didn't come to California, did you? No, I didn't. So after Road America, I went to visit my coach, uh, Jeff Sanchez, down in Makina for archery performance, uh, Bodoc Archery and. I got to stay at his house. He's an awesome guy, man. He's a really good friend. He's been up to Road America many times. He actually is a motorcycle enthusiast and a race fan, kind of a casual race fan before we ever met. And when I went into his shop, he had like uh, motorcyclists and Cycle World magazines all over the place, and I thought that was kind of funny. But anyway, we worked together and and um, kind of changed some things with my shooting that didn't that need time. And I was supposed to go to SoCal to USA Archery and, and shoot the event and. Um, I was leaving on Wednesday to go to San Diego, and you know how it goes, Jay. I mean, this, oh, yeah. has this year been the craziest travel year? It's, it's stupid. Been really, not only is it expensive, but there's Ugh. been a lack of, you know, a lot of, like, flights delayed and canceled and all this kind of stuff. So, anyway, it was cancellation. This was going to get pushed. I wasn't going to be able to get there until this day. And, you know, it was just a ruckus. And I just said, you know what? I'm not shooting very well. I'm going home. The national championship is in August. I need to start fixing my problems, you know? Yeah, you like got basically another five golf, and a half weeks. If you're a golfer, yeah, if you're a golfer, you know what the yips are. That's oh, kind yeah. of what's going on with archery. Yeah, no, and, and I, me. I, I get it. And and look, like what you were against there too, getting out of Chicago, we were late the day before you getting out, and it was a, just a joke. I didn't get home till three. 
it's kind of weird because as expensive as things are to fly, Greg, I just spent eleven hundred dollars to fly to Seattle. It's a two-hour flight. Wow, mine's th- so, over thirteen hundred dollars to fly, but yeah. I'm at least coming from the East Coast. I paid. Man. I think I paid. I think I told you this the other day, but I'm I'm flying my mom back to England, and then fly, and then I'm I'm gonna meet her over there, and then I'm gonna fly home with her. But I got her a first-class ticket. Um, I think the total was like thirty-two hundred bucks on Delta, like yeah. Delta One. You know, she's gonna love it, and it's yeah. like, and I looked it up like. I literally, Greg. I looked it up three days later. It was eleven thousand dollars, and I'm like, it's, I don't, it's I don't crazy, know, Jason. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, the summer's here though. We've got you know a lot of racing to go. It's crazy that World Superbike's taking a month off again. And I know we were going to have Stevie Boy on here with us today, but I think it would be more fun to have him on right before uh, right before their next round starts and kind of get a build up to the second half or. Are they even half? They're not halfway through their season. They've only had they're four one, races. They're one third of the way through. They yeah, have twelve so. races and they finished four rounds. Yeah, so there's still another eight to go. That's that's a lot of seasons. A lot of. But seasons Jay, we're gonna to talk. Go. We're gonna talk about it. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about all that stuff. We're gonna do a ride news here in a moment. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk about how small the world is. Oh, my story. Yeah, well, I don't want to bore yeah. people, but anybody that knows me, um, yeah, everybody knows I like to play golf, but. In 06, right, hold on. I was, oh, let, 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 yeah. me, let me preface this. For all you people right now, belly aching, that are in your car or wherever you are, stealing away listening to this podcast, first of all, we appreciate you downloading it and listening Absolutely. to it 100%. But for all those of you that are belly aching about me talking about archery and Jason talking about golf on a racing podcast, trust me when I tell you, you will see the forest through the trees and see how golf <laughs> and racing, racing intersect in this story. All right. Go for uh, it. I had a really crazy thing happened to me yesterday uh, that was actually pretty funny. I had a kid call me who, uh, a very, very uh, close friend of mine, Joey Herrera, called me yesterday from Texas. And he says, Jason, do you ever listen to the Subpar Podcast with Colt Nose? And I had before G-Dub listened to it a long time ago, a year or so ago. I probably listened to an episode or two. He said, get to the 20-minute mark of this week's podcast and, you know, let me know what you think kind of thing. So long story short, I, I jumped on there, went to the 20-minute mark, and there's a golfer on the PGA Tour at the moment named Tom Hoagie. And there's some crazy little connections there. At the beginning of the year, I actually put 20 bucks on Tom Hoagie to win at Pebble Beach. And he actually won it outright. And I, I, I put a little money on him on the, you know before the tournament even started. So I think 20 bucks paid me like 1400 to win or something. So anyways. Here's on you, dude. Yeah. So, so as it goes, um, I'm listening to this podcast and... It, as an amateur golfer, like one of the biggest things that you could ever do as an amateur golfer is is well for me anyways is to qualify for the United States Amateur. To, to qualify for the U.S. Amateur for me was a huge deal. I ended up qualifying for it in 2006 when I rode for MJ, and so MJ was pretty excited about it. The USGA was excited about it because I was an athlete that was obviously sponsored by the biggest athlete in the world, and I had qualified for the U.S. Amateur. So. There was a bit of a story behind it, and as we know, the day before the amateur, or as you and I know, I ended up breaking my leg at VIR, so I never got to play in it. But 16 years later, listening to a podcast, this guy Tom Hoagie's on, and they're basically talking to Tom about kind of where he came from, and he's from Fargo, North Dakota, and essentially what ended up happening, he was first alternate that year from his sectional. Um, he was first alternate and decided to drive to Hazeltine in case somebody withdrew from the golf tournament. 
and that somebody turned out to be me. And yesterday on this podcast, 16 years later, Tom Hoagie says, my biggest break came in 2006. I drove to Hazeltine to see if anybody was going to withdraw. And there was a guy named Jason Pridmore who rode for Michael Jordan Motorsports, rode a motorcycle and broke his leg and had to withdraw. And that week, he because he comes from a small market up in Fargo as far as golf goes, he wasn't really getting recruited by any colleges or anything. But him getting into the U.S. Amateur that year, the TCU coach ended up seeing him and offering him a scholarship. And that kind of, I guess you say, is the rest is history. But what I found ironic was the fact that Tom Hoagie even remembered my name after 16 years. It's There are people in my past, racing-wise, that I would love to run into or I would love to thank or I don't have no idea where they are anymore. Um, and just from this guy, right, saying this in this podcast, I sat there yesterday thinking to myself, you know, it, it was devastating. I quit golf for like a year after that because I was so bummed that I never got to play in the U.S. Amateur. And um, and I reached out to Tom Hoagie yesterday, G-Dub. I reached out to him. and As everyone in this, listening to this podcast is like, I hope that he reached out. <laughs> in this day and age... With Instagram or whatever, it's just yeah. so it's too easy, right? Yeah, and and I'm very fortunate because Jimmy Witten, who's the head of the uh, you know the tour event down in uh, in Dallas at the Colonial, I reached out to him because he knows all the players, and he said what a great guy Tom Hoagie is. So I I just sent him a, a quick little message, um, told him I heard the podcast and uh, made me very happy that that um, that he took advantage of a great opportunity and he's it made a career out of golf and. So he, he wrote back to me within two hours and was like, we got to, you know, we got to meet someday and we got to, hopefully we can tee it up someday together. And he always felt like he owed me a thank you for getting in. And um, it was just kind of a crazy story. It was a really kind of a feel good story for me yesterday. And it's H-O-G-E? Correct. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so this is an original, yeah, 33 years old, originally from Statesville. <laughs> He's, yep. If you want to go follow him on the Instagram because he knows Jason Pridmore and call yeah. him out, his Instagram is Hoagie Golf, so H O G E G O L F. Yeah, so, it was pretty cool, anyways. Me. And you realize what a small world it is, and how you know I could have gone to my grave never really knowing that the person that took my spot, um, you know, who knew about what would happen. And 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 I'm so glad because a guy like him. You know, a guy like me qualifying for it, I was never going to make a career in golf. Um, so seeing a young man like him at the time, I mean, he says he was a senior in high school that, when that happened. So um, it was just a great story, and, and I'm hoping I get to meet him in person. And, you know, it looks like we've got, you know, a connection to maybe play play some golf. So, um, Well, I you know, I have a similar story to tell. Oh, nobody cares. It's it's re- No, it's really <laughs> close to your story. Mm-hmm. So on YouTube, I have no idea why, but the last couple months I've been in, I've been absolutely captured by a uh, a YouTube channel called Wrist Watch Revival. Okay, and this dude, this dude, all he does is he takes old watches, he tears them apart, he rebuilds them, he services them. They're like forty-five minute videos. I'm absolutely. Like just captivated by this guy's voice, the way he does stuff is funny and uh, informative, and I have no idea why. I mean, Jay, you've known me long enough. I have kind of an investigative mind, and you know, air crash investigation and all that kind yep. of crap. But for some reason, it came up in my feed. 
So that's it. So I've just been watching. Guy posts maybe once a month. Every time he does, I'm just like, sweet. And I just watch the thing from stem to stern. No big deal. Well, he posts a news channel from Seattle. He lives in Seattle. I had no idea where he lived. I didn't even really follow him on Instagram. I just enjoy the channel. And uh, he's uh, in Seattle. And a, a local news channel came and did a story. He's got a couple, you know, 300 and something thousand people subscribed and it keeps growing. I like think when I first tuned in, it was like 180,000. Now he's up to, you know, getting close to half a mil, whatever. And so I reached out to him on Instagram and I just said, hey man, you know, listen, this is totally random, but I'm a big fan of your channel and we're racing at the Ridge in two That's weeks. Would great. you like to come down? You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, I haven't heard back from him yet. Yeah. So same story. <laughs> same story now. Maybe you will. You never know. I mean, but yeah, but but maybe you, you know. Same story. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, he has no idea who I am. Probably never even ridden a motorcycle. It looks like he lives in downtown Seattle. You know, who yeah. knows? Who knows? But, no, but that's cool, but though. Dude, I mean, you just, it doesn't... It, you you don't know. Age, Listen, you, you don't know. We're, we're all accessible. Right? Like, the thing is... You know? Yeah, we are accessible now. But, Jay, like, I've told you this story before. Like, being on the grid at MotoGP in Laguna, you know, and I see Matt LeBlanc, and he's like, hey, Greg, and right behind him is, you know, um, Brad Pitt. Yeah. And Brad's like, hey, Greg, what's going on? And, yeah. you know, and I'm like, the hell? You know, like in my brain, I'm like, the hell? And I'm yeah. like, hey, Brad, what's up? You know, so we're on the, you know, they're shaking hands, doing the thing. And then I walked up to him a little bit. You know, obviously I'm on the grid for, for TV. And I said, ah, I'm just curious, man. How how do you know who the hell I am? Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, I'm at LeBlanc's house all the time. He leaves Speed Channel on nonstop. I watch Two Wheel Tuesday. I love the show. Yeah. I was like, thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's those weird, those weird moments when, you know, you're, you're, I'm just here. I'm a chooch sitting at home doing a podcast you're the same it's like you don't think about it you know uh, it's it's like there's guys and i said to somebody yesterday and i've mentioned it before on here like i'd love to get back in touch with robert nutt because robert nutt oh, yeah he, without robert nutt um i don't have the life i have like it he, mm-hmm. he gave me an opportunity in 1996 he really gave me an opportunity, and and had he not done that, I don't know what I would have done because that was what I needed. Tell us who that Robert was... Nutt is then, and tell us about that real quick, then Jay, because a lot of people. Well, well real know. quick, Robert Nutt basically they they ran a team in Wear Endurance Championship, um, and uh, they were called Hall and Still. Kurt Hall, I know you know Kurt Hall, so Kurt Hall, and Dirt Jim, Hall, yep, mm-hmm. Kurt Hall, Jim Still, they ran a team uh, in in Wear Endurance. Long long story short. Uh, and come 90, I think it was 94, they had done a deal with Yamaha and they, I had no ride and they wanted to go race Wera Endurance and I convinced them to go to Daytona and let's go do the AMA championship rather than Wera because that was kind of where my heart was and I wanted to race. Anyways, Robert Nutt, you know, helped run that team and we, we did the AMA series in 94. We didn't do any Wera stuff and we were sponsored by Kinko's. And then in 95, I broke my leg real bad. And then in 96, I basically begged Robert Nutt to take me back and let me try to ride. For then, he was they were on Kawasaki's by then. And he gave me a, an opportunity. And I had to fly to Moroso, Texas, to uh, Moroso, Florida, rather, to go test. I hadn't been on a bike in basically over a year, year and a few months. And I tested in Florida, and I went fast. And I think I signed for $10,000. I think I got paid ten grand that year to ride for Kinko's Kawasaki. But without that opportunity, I would have never, it would have never, it, like things fell into place after that. I, I, I rode 
I rode really well for them, and that's when I got my Suzuki deal for 97, and then the rest is kind of history. But if it wasn't for Robert Nutt believing in me and giving me that chance, you know, I would have never had that opportunity. So it's just funny how the world is and how you run into people. Sorry we're 16 minutes into this and haven't mentioned motorcycle stuff, but yeah, it's Well, no, and actually what, it's what, interesting. what, what I want to mention about that program that you were on, Kinko's Kawasaki, that always struck me um, as interesting is, you know, that team, Robert Nutt, you know, he did it he looked at racing in a unique way to get that sponsorship. I mean, he had Kinko's, but he was also like a, um, a you know, a, a feeder Kawasaki team. At the time, there was Muzzy Kawasaki. There wasn't factory Kawasaki. At, you know, it was still a few years. And what I remember about Robert's program was, is the deal he had with Kawasaki, if you raced a ZX-10 or you raced a ZX-6R at the time and you needed any stock parts, he had them on hand. And anybody who came to the races who raced could buy those parts at dealer cost from Robert's program. He was like Team and Green. The people that were running. Yeah. It was Team Green. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And and it had tremendous value for Kawasaki at the time. And it helped Robert with his budget and go to the races and, you know, along amongst other things. But, you know, Kinko's Kawasaki, I mean, what? I think you were initially um, Thomas Stevens' teammate maybe in that 96 time frame. It, Is that in right? 94, I believe in Yeah, 90, 96, you're 100% was Tom Stevens uh, in 96. But 94, when I rode for Kinko's Yamaha, uh, at the time, because we were on Yamaha's then, G-Dub, um, it was Tommy Wilson. Yeah, Tom Wilson. But Kinko's Kawasaki, uh, it gave Josh Hayes a break. You know, Josh oh, yeah. Hayes, uh, in <clears throat> 1996, I believe it was 96, um, was the hot shot in Weira. And he got a chance to ride the Kinko's Kawasaki at the GNF uh, at Road Atlanta that year. And that gave him a, a launching pad, and then John Ulrich signed him onto the right. Suzuki after yeah. that for for ninety. I think for ninety seven. I, maybe my years are wrong. Maybe it was no, ninety five, ninety five, and then ninety six. John, it's it's right around that time frame. Um, Jamie Hacking got signed right to Kinkos from from Weira from John Ulrich's Valvoline team at the time, yep. doing Weira stuff. And then I remember Hacking goes to his first race. I don't know if you remember this. I'm not I think sure. He put you, it on pole. Yeah, didn't you were he? there. So. He put it on pole, Super Sport. Put it on pole at Phoenix, and then burned his tire up, and I think finished seventh or eighth, something like that. But yeah, it was a it was a really great program. Um, and he was such I a actually good have guy. A story about yeah, good guy, great yeah. family. The whole team was great. I mean, we we had a good team. Scotty Beach back in the day. Um, but I mean, it was yeah, it was it was. Um, so so here's my Robert Nutt story, real quick, Jay. So in 1996, when Kawasaki launches the Kawasaki ZX6R. There's a dealership up here in North Carolina, uh, Fox's Suzuki Kawasaki in Roxboro, North Carolina. And after being, uh, sorry, it was 95, 1995, sorry, 95. So it was the winter of 95. So 94, I go to I go to GP at Laguna in September. The very next weekend was the last race of the year for AMA at Road Atlanta. I go down, I'm like hanging out with this dude that I knew from college and I go, I want to go racing. So... I go to these guys. I just bought a ZX6E, and I go to the guys at Fox's Suzuki Kawasaki, and I say, "Hey, this new bike's coming out, right, Jay? I mean, I had it on Cycle World yeah, magazine. Yeah. I was staring at it every week. Like this thing looks badass. I want to buy this bike, and I'm going racing." They said, "All right, well, we'll let you buy it at dealer cost, and we'll we'll support you." So I said, "Cool." So they reached out to the local rep, and they said, "Hey, we're going to sponsor a racer." And he said, "Okay, the guy needs to get his license." So I go down in February to Roebling Road Raceway to Ed Bargie's school. Take to school, get my license, go back, hand it to him. Next thing you know, this new ZX6R shows up. And let me tell you, dude, this bike was fast. Mm-hmm. It was really fast. 
And I got protested a couple times in Weira in 95, 96 more so because I was winning in 96, racing against this dude who had a Honda F4i. And we were going back and forth all year. He what do you got, think that guy feels like? Just That guy hears his podcast. He went back and forth with you all year. What's that guy got to be feeling like? Luke Yarborough? <laughs> I don't know. Luke Yarborough. I remember that But anyway, name. Anyways. So the bike was fast. And I remember this. There was a place called RPM Performance here in Raleigh run by this dude. And, you know, back then, Jay, the thing was, you know, get a Dino Jet jet kit, right? Get mm-hmm. a jet kit. You got to, you know, you know blah, 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 blah. Get these, yeah, get these jets with holes in them so it atomizes the fuel, whatever it is, right? And I remember this dude, like, taking my carbs apart going, I haven't seen carbs like this before. Like, this is... <laughs> so I said, all right, don't touch it. Just leave it. Fast forward a number of years. I mean, maybe 10 years later. And Robert Nutt is now out of racing, but he lived in... Uh, was it Knoxville, Knoxville. Tennessee? Yes. I think? Yeah. Yes. Lived in Knoxville, and I had I was up there visiting, like driving through, and I was visiting with him, and we were sitting down, and he was showing me the stuff that he was doing, and we started talking about it and about that year, about '95, and I said, "Man, I had a fast ZX6R that year," and blah 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 blah, and he said, "You know what's funny? We got four basically hand built bikes in Japan shipped to us, and I only got three of them, and one disappeared." No way. You got the other one because you wouldn't happen to have you wouldn't happen to have that serial number laying around. I said, "Yeah, actually, I know where the paperwork is." And it turns out that that was a, actually the bike that I rode in '95 and '96 was a, was supposed to go to Kinko's Kawasaki, and it had some special carb set up because, dude, we put a pipe on that thing at the GNF in '96. Hayes helped me put that thing on my last run. Put a D and D pipe. That's all we did, Gosh. and the thing made like 97 horsepower on the dyno. For 1995 motorcycle, yeah, which that's was pretty like wild, man, and that zero mods, Jay. That's pretty. You know funny. me. Yeah. I changed the spark plugs twice in yeah. the entire time. I changed the oil and touched the damn thing. Yeah, that's pretty. But funny. anyway, that's fine. Sorry to bore you guys with the story. Sorry to bore, yes. you, but it was a great story. Your golf thing. I can't wait to hear the postscript <clears> story <throat> of you playing golf with the hoagie. That's gonna be great, man. It'll be fun so. if it if it happens. It'll be really neat. Obviously, the guy's got a probably busy life and all that, but that was just kind of it was. Kind of interesting to hear how that all, you know. Anyways. No, we got to get him out to a race and get him on a, a two upride. Yeah, you know no, that'd mean? be cool too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, especially if we, if you know, who knows with his schedule. But all right, anyway, so we're going to move on and we're going to do news presented by Arai. Hey, did you know it's summertime? And Jason, it's going to be 102 degrees here today in North Carolina. Well, that means you're going to sweat. And when you sweat, that means that that nasty stuff gets into the liner of your helmet. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to get some antimicrobials. You're going to get some antimicrobials. That's exactly right, Jay, because you don't want to put your head, you want to put your $100 head in a $100 helmet. Let's go. Upgrade your stuff. Get a nice helmet. Get an Arai, AraiAmericas.com. Go visit them. Check out paint jobs. Go to your local dealer. Get Fitment. All right? They're flying off the shelves like hotcakes, by the way, people. So these are handmade in Japan to spec. The same helmet Johnny Ray uses to race in World Superbike is exactly the same quality and same protection you're gonna get on your head if you buy it on the street. It's one of the things I love about Arai. All right, AraiAmericas.com. Jason, Jack Miller has announced that he is moving from Factory Ducati to KTM since the last time we spoke. It was all the buzz last week. Jack Miller going to KTM after how many years with Ducati? Oh my Four, God. Five? Hasn't it been like six or something? Hasn't it? I mean, I, it was six? a Tramac. I don't know. Five, five oh, sounds yeah. about right, probably. But yeah. yeah. I mean. Anyway, what do you think? I, okay. I, there's obviously 
there's got to be some contention there between Oliveira and the, and the KTM team. Oliveira's won four Grand Prix on the KTM. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, has he won more than... He's won more than Binder, hasn't he? Binder hasn't won four. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up I'm while you're I'm putting you on the spot, I know. But, okay, but Oliveira's won four Grand Prix on a KTM. And... I, look, it's such a weird thing, and I know when we do these podcasts, I always try to be as politically correct as I can in certain ways. But I'm sitting there, and I don't understand. This kind of goes back to you've got Davizioso, who ultimately couldn't get the job done on a Ducati winning the championship. I think he finished second four times. And at that stage, the guy, uh, the guy was on the best bike without question, I feel, the Ducati. And he couldn't do it. And I don't understand why we would choose Miller over Oliveira at this stage. Like, especially on that bike, right? I got to think the Ducati's better than the KTM. And I love Jack Miller. I love him, love him, love him. But it's not like he's done a lot of winning on that bike. And we're still seeing him finish in 15th in some races. And I just scratched my head. Um and I know that there are reasons behind that. I'm just saying that it's, I, it's a head-scratcher to me. But if, if someone said, here's a pile of money, you could take Oliveira or Jack Miller and put them on a KTM, I'm going to go with the guy who's already won me four races on the KTM. I, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm happy for Jack, though. I'm happy he's going to get a shot on another factory team. But I don't know why they chose to get rid of Oliveira. Yeah, I can't wait for that story to break at some point. And well, he's, gonna, what- he's, he's moving forward, though. He's going to go to... He's going to be bash. Uh, he's going to not be Bastianini's teammate. It'll be Di Antonio's teammate next year, by all accounts, right on the Grassini team. That's where it sounds like that's he's moving to. Here. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. It is wild. I think obviously. So Oliveira's won four. Miller's won three in his total career, and Bender's won two. So I agree with you because there's something going on with Oliveira. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's one of those situations where. He just shows up and the stars align and he needs the stars to align because yep. we know that racing is very, it's very heady, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, Colin said it best in years ago. It's 90% mental. So well, a lot of sports it's, are like it's that. A, situ- a lot of sports are I mean, that most. way, you know? Yeah. Um, There's no but, doubt about it. But I, I mean, I, you, can, you can be a physical specimen in football. You still don't have your head right and your head's not in the game and you're a corner cornerback and somebody goes blowing by you. What are you going to do? Well, right? like what are you, you going to do? Um, hey, what are you going to do? Hey, you gonna do? You know, the thing is, though, G-Dub, what I, what I don't understand is, and one of the points you always make, which I think is a very good point, is that, you know, they're going to hire a Jack Miller so that they can get info, you know, out of him as far as what's been going on over there with the Ducati. What does he know? What has he learned? How do how are things ran differently at Ducati World? How can he bring that knowledge and that, that, that stuff to KTM? Um, and, and there's definitely some of that I agree with, but... When you look at what KTM's done, um, they've already won races. They're already pretty relevant in the world of of MotoGP, and so I don't know. I I I, I don't know what happened with the Oliveira KTM breakdown there, and we'll probably find out more as the time goes. But you know, overall, super happy for uh, for Jack Miller. World Superbike News: Greg HRC rider Chavi Verhe hit the deck in race two at Mazano and had some fractures in his hand and in his wrist. Sounds like he's going to have surgery. I saw yesterday they deemed him unfit right now, so he's going to have to get those things worked on. And what's even crazier, G-Dub, is when I read about it, um, the Hammett bone, the same one I broke, that one I've been having issues That's, with, Yeah, it's the same It's the same bone. And 
Um, Hook of the Hammet is... Is that is, a slow healer, Jay? Is that one is. of those bones where it's like there's not a lot of blood flow and all that? I'm not a doctor, but any bone in your hand is kind of a slow <laughs> healer because there are so many small little bones in your hand um, that making sure that it stays stabilized, I think, is a big thing. Also, blood flow in that area. You know, I've heard about the scaphoid and the wrist and all that. What slow healers those are because of the way um, the blood gets into the bone. Now... The scaphoid is interesting because I learned something from Dr. Brian just this last week about why they have to always pin the scaphoid. And there's a specific reason because of how the blood gets into the bone and and, and the hammet bone, the hook of the hammet, I'd never really seen before. And he showed me where that is. And if that is something that you break off, the hook itself, a lot of times they'll go in there and just remove that or whatever. So Vieira will be fine. I mean, he's got what? He's got a month, I think, G-Dub, until the next until the next race. I can't remember what hand it was, though. I think it was the right hand, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was the right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Hey, how about uh, Canadian Superbike Series kicked off with Ben Young getting a double? What do you, uh, I know your boy, I think Dumas finished second in both of them, the defending champ, right? He did, and Alex just told me flat out, he's like, hey, Ben's really good at this place. It sounded like it was a place that, that um, Alex had never been to. I, I don't know what track it was, I can't remember, but... Um, the bend it was called i, I actually bend? haven't yeah. heard of it before um and anyways, until last weekend he said that ben just rode really really well there there was i mean alex was just alex he just said hey guy beat me he was just really good so congrats big congrats to ben young and again g-dub another bmw up there in the sense that uh you know we've been seeing a big push by bmw this year and they're doing pretty well worldwide other than world superbike but i mean everywhere else they're uh you know, they're pretty prominent right now. BSB, Isla Man, um, this with Hickey this year was amazing. So, um, yeah. Hey, and yeah, motor- I mean, as a, yeah. as, as, as a, as a kind of a stock, you know, stock biker, mm. the closer you, mm-hmm. you keep that bike mm-hmm. to stock, the better it seems to be, the more competitive it definitely seems to be. It's just when you get into the, all the mods that World Superbike has to offer, they're still just a, on their back foot at the moment. Yeah. But they have a lot of things to test. I know that they, you know, they were, if you if you go to worldsbk.com, you can see like all the interviews and stuff like that. And I know that they're they're working on some stuff. But anyway, you were yeah. And I got I got part of this news that I wanted to talk to you about too uh, in a minute. But we'll get through this one real quick because in Moto America news, eighteen year old David Kolstad, who you and I remember from the Junior Cup stuff, G Dub, he's uh, making a return to Moto America. We haven't seen him this year. Um, haven't seen him since Barber last year. He's going to ride a 636 up at the Ridge in two weeks. Thoughts on that? It's his home track. Uh, it's a place that he knows well. We haven't, like I said, we haven't got to see him at all this year. Don't really know why. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of that when we meet him and see him up there. But uh, another one of our Junior Cup kids jumping up to uh, you know, Super Sport class. I love it because it's a great debut in Super Sport. I don't know how built the ZX6R is. I know that he's been doing some regional stuff up there. So I'm really excited to see him back. I'm pretty sure Colts is pretty tall to Pretty tall kid, so yes. you know, getting off of that stuff at 18 years old and getting onto a super sport bike, and he's going to do Laguna Seca as well. So two tracks, I'm sure he's pretty familiar with. So so pretty cool on that front. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on a guest for us, and I'm gonna bring him up right now. I'm gonna work on a guest for us in the next week or two, depending on does what he his, play golf. Nope, depending on what his <laughs> schedule is like. But G Dub, I this year I got the pass for the TT races, and um, you and I talked about that. I told you I had it, and um, I watched all of the stuff from the TT this year. It's been really fun. I mean, um, the TT, Isle of Man is what I'm talking about. You know, Greg, it seems like we can go anywhere in the world and 
if you tell somebody, oh yeah, you know, I was, I'm in the motorcycle industry. Oh, you ever, you ever seen that place? I don't remember what it's called, but they race on the streets. Like everybody knows the Isle of Man, right? And it's a place yeah. that, Greg, it's a place that honestly, just you as a motorcyclist, I think it would be, it'd be a neat place for you to go check out one year. And this year, uh, we dying I, to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place. I had, I had three very, very close friends that raced over there this year. Um, Chris Sabora and Rennie Skaysbrook and, and Pete Murray. They, they, they're all people that I see routinely, but I have some friends over there. Um, and watching Peter Hickman in the senior TT on Sunday, Saturday, um, he ended up winning four TTs over the, over the two weeks that he was there out of the five that he entered. Michael Dunlop won two super sport races and then Hickey, Hickey won in twins. He won the super bike. He won the senior TT and he won the, and the stock thousand. So he won a bunch of them. Um, it's a place that you can't really describe, but they had five deaths this year as well. And it's kind of an eerie place because you kind of go on the island kind of knowing that there might be a couple people that aren't going to get back on the ferry. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious because I have a little bit of a history with the place. What's your view of it, G-Dub? Like when you look at the TT and what it is and what it stands for as like an American, like me being a little bit more European, being brought up that way, um, I got to go to the Island Man a couple times when I was a kid. And it intrigues me a lot. Like it's very intriguing. Um, but what, like, what's your viewpoint on it? Like when you, you know, you've I'm never little, been there. I'm, you, I'm, you weren't really grown up with it. You know, I didn't grow up with it. I obviously grew up more with you know the stuff that you watch on TV and all that. Um, I understand the history behind it. What I find, what I find interesting before I get into my opinion of it is the the hypocrisy that some of these Euro journalists have that'll shit all over MotoGP for safety things. And then they turn right around and say, but the Isle of Man is tradition. I mean, my point of view is, Jay, I, I could care less about tradition. I don't, I don't think, I mean, tradition is just a human thing that's made up that people just like to latch onto because they don't like change. I like to see things change. I like to see things evolve. Um, you know, some things obviously that, that evolve that aren't great. When it comes to the Isle of Man, I'm an advocate of, let's put it this way. I'm an advocate of the helmet, right? I think that if you ride a motorcycle, that you should wear a helmet, okay? And a ride, sure. But no. <laughs> but but I'm also an advocate of your right to choose. Yep. You know, your, your right to make a decision on your own as an adult and not be governed. So I, I kind of feel the same way about the TT. I knew when I put my leathers on and my helmet on that I was risking. I knew what I, I knew it was at stake. Yep. Uh, arrogantly, I didn't really care or think to care about the other people in my life. You know what I mean about the impact it would have on my mom or my brothers or whatever. Yep. But I knew the risk, and I was like, and I accepted that risk, and I was happy to live life that way. And I think that everyone that goes and races the Isle of Man TT understands the risk, and I think that. We are in a little bit of a world right now where everybody, you know, the people want to bubble wrap everybody else and and people in charge want to tell everybody what they could do. I'm a fan of the Isle of Man TT because of the risk, because of the amount of time it takes to learn it. There's just so many, you know, the teams involved, all that kind of stuff. So I understand that lives are lost, but lives are lost every day all over the world. Yeah. You know, there's people falling downstairs and, you know, people choking on food. And 
I think that if people want to experience something that gives them a thrill to live life, that they should be able to do it. Um, and I think it's not right for me to, to say that the TT shouldn't happen because of what the where I live and what laws govern where I live. If the people on the Isle of Man, because isn't the Isle, like the Isle's its own country, more or less, right? Yeah, it's out in the middle of Irish Sea. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's just, you get, when you go over there, and, and if you meet anybody that races it, um, there's a certain... There's certain expressions that they you can see in their face about when they light up and talk about it, and I can understand it. You know, Keith Hewen wrote a pretty good article on it about that. You know, they're they're looking into each one of the deaths that they had this year. Three of the three of the people that passed away, unfortunately, were on sidecars. You know, which again is pretty close to me being my dad raced them. And the first year I went over there as an eight year old kid, there was like four sidecar. Um, members that passed away it was a big crash at the bottom of bray hill and it's it's um they started they they looked at statistically they're looking at some things that they can change this year they they made the fields smaller i think that there's an experience level g-dub because when you start looking at the tt the six lap senior event great it's 37 miles long and it's taken most riders about you know 20 plus minutes to get around i mean the fast guys are they're, I think they're at 17 or 18 minutes or something. Um, Yeesh, like 130, 120 something mile an hour average, right? Yeah, and if you go, if you just basically say it's 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 basically almost 40 miles a lap. It's 37.2 miles, and they're doing six laps. They're doing 240 miles, and how many people you, you get these guys? And we used to see it at Daytona all the time. That that's the only race they did. The Daytona 200 was the only race they did all year, and. Over there, you just can't make those mistakes. And I think that if you look at any sporting event, if you had five deaths, people would be like, whoa, 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 what's, wait, we can't do this thing anymore. And I'm with you. Like, everybody knows the risks when they step onto the Isle of Man. Everybody knows the risks that there there are involved. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Stuart Higgs was over there this year. He hadn't been since 1967. And he was over there. It was really interesting because he was over there looking at the different measures that they take at the Isle of Man to try to make it, you know, as safe as they can. At the end of the day, G-Dub, these guys are doing 200 mile an hour on roads that aren't even as wide as ours. And you watch Hickey ride it, and it reminds me a little bit of McGinnis because McGinnis told me that he he rides over there at 90%. And he completed his 100th TT start and quite possibly his last. I don't think it will be. I think McGinnis will come back to do another, uh, you know, another year of it possibly. He's so beloved there. But, I mean, you think about it, That guy's done 100 He's, he's had a hundred starts there, and there was a gentleman this year uh, that that had it was it was like his 80th start, and he ended up passing away. He's 56 years old. I just think that the Isle of Man is a place, it's a special place that you have to go, um, and they're they're taking they they want to take more measures. They've, I think something's got to evolve there too. You said you like change, right? I think that they've got to figure out a way to. Um, They've got to figure out a way to. I don't know how you cut down on the exposure rate there, as far as things go, because it's what people don't well, understand the about thing. the TT I, is it's so fast, you dub. It's so fast. Yeah. It's but what so I what fast. I don't want is things is things not to change because of tradition. You mm-hmm. know, that's kind of my Mm-mm. point. Like I I can't stand people that I say agree. that. You know, like oh well, but 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 you know, blah blah blah, and it takes away, and it's like no man. Like as much as you know, why don't why aren't you protesting that we're on current 
tires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or we're on motorcycles that have better suspension than they did when they first raced it. Like it, none of that stuff makes a difference to me. So yeah. But what but what I want to see is the integrity of the of the event kind of you know held in place. Meaning, I would hate to, you know just for them to say like, well, we're not going through this town anymore. I, again, I don't know any of the configuration. From what I understand, it's just a it's a you know a, a road around the island. But I would imagine there's other roads. So oh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if they look at it and they say, well, we're going to take this section out, you know, this one section where you have the jump and the stone wall because there's been spectators that have been hurt and racers get hurt. That's the thing. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that in in a world that we live in, especially in the United States, right, a litigious society like a road race is completely unheard of, and it's out of the the realm of possibility for some people's head. But I, listen, man, I'm not the aisle. I don't live there. I've never been there, and I it's I amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I want to experience it, and it sucks that people die, but for that guy who's had 80 starts and 56 years old and he passed away, I bet if he was alive today, you know, if you could bring him back, yep. get a psychic and talk to him and say, would you have rather gone out doing something you love like that, or would you rather have been in a bed drooling, you know, in 20 years from now, whatever? I mean, I don't know, I don't know the guy, I don't know what the answer is. I know what the answer is for myself. You know the romantic yeah. answer, but yeah, and I agree with all that. It's uh, I I think having Hickey on the show would be a lot of fun. He's such a good guy, like everything you see about him. Well, I'd love uh, to get his perspective and, about it and learn more about the Isle of Man, especially yeah, from someone who's been there competitively. And, yeah, and having a guy like him on there, I've gotten to know him and McGinnis really well, and uh, Lee Johnson. I know um, Michael Rudder. I know these guys. I've I've either raced with over Connor Cummins, Michael Dunlop. I've raced with them. I've seen them. I've talked to them. They're all they've done endurance and all that stuff. They've done a bunch endurance. of them were on the Honda the HRC endurance yep. club for a number of yep. years, right? I knew Simon Andrews real well, and unfortunately, he passed away at the Northwest 200 like six years, seven years ago, eight years ago. Gosh, it seems like it's. But but anyways, it's it's a really interesting place. Maybe listen, it'd be great. Maybe if you're a viewer of ours or uh, our listener, obviously. Let me know if you guys think that it would be fun to have Peter Hickman on. I'll see if I can reach out to him because, like I said, he's a great guy. This last weekend, G-Dub, we were at round four World Superbike over in Mizano. And I have to say that we were going to have Steve English on. And he ended up, could only do it tomorrow, but we had to get this thing off today. Um, so we'll have him on maybe at the beginning or when they get ready to do the next round. But man, G-Dub, it was a snooze fest in Mizano. Um, <laughs> there's one guy that will disagree with me on that. There was five There was five minutes of racing in there. And there was. Superbike, there, anyway. there was some spots in there. But for the majority, let's just be fair. Give Al- Alvaro Batista the, the, his due. I mean, the guy was unreal. He ended up winning two out of, you know, he won the two main Superbike races. He ended up second to top rack in the Super Pole race. Um, this is a track, Greg, that Ducati does a ton of testing at. They got a lot of miles there. We saw Rinaldi put in his best season, as we've seen him do before, at this track in uh, Mazzano. Rinaldi ends up getting a pair of podiums. I think he was fourth in the Super Pole race, if I'm not mistaken. Um, top rack, interesting weekend for him. A rough one, to be fair. He did win the Super Pole race, so he finally got his first race win of the year. And he ended up second in the in the, the Sunday feature the, the Saturday race, he had an electrical problem while running second. It just put a huge crimp in his championship hopes, I guess. Um, I don't know. There was a lot to take away from it, even though there wasn't really a lot of real close racing. The Ducati just looked a step above everything else there, to be honest, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And they continued to develop it. And 
you know, now all of a sudden, just like that, the talk, the chatter has turned to, okay, do we got to take something away from the Ducati to balance stuff out? And this is the slippery slope, okay, that we're, we're going down now. And, um, yeah, I think Bautista did a great job. Obviously, the Yamaha and the Kawasaki could hang for about five to ten laps. And they just didn't have the overall package that the Ducati had. You could definitely tell that Ray and Top Rack were having to ride harder than Bautista was. Yeah, you know, there, there, there were a couple times where Bautista would lose six or seven bike lengths in second place, and then four corners later, with any straightaway in sight, he would he would totally make it up. So it was interesting. GP One did a, a podcast. Uh, yesterday, I think, <clears throat> with Gigi okay. Delinia after the fact, and I was watching it uh, because, like, you can turn the subtitles on for English okay. subtitles. Oh wow! Okay. And so I had gotten maybe ten or fifteen minutes into that podcast, and uh, <laughs> because the headline was something about you know Bautista and and about uh, Petrucci and their futures or whatever inside the Ducati, and so I was trying to get through it, but unfortunately, I ran out of time last night and had to go to sleep. Yep. But they talked in that podcast about the motor and you know Delinia obviously he knows as an engineer he understands that the motor's not not the end all be all but he's like when it comes to racing and you look at the motor it's the easiest way to pass somebody so you know you put so much at risk when you're passing people in the corners that we would rather have our riders be able to pass someone you know with with acceleration and not have to be you know so crazy going to the corners and there's just a, there's a lot to it yep so my my thing is looking forward Jay you know from what i've heard there is no more Yamaha R1s coming. That's it. Like this bike is going to last a few more years, and then the inline four-cylinder thousand is no longer being developed at Yamaha. Is from what what I have heard. I have no idea if that's true or not. It's just something I've heard from some pretty reliable sources that they're moving on from that platform. So then, what's the question, or what's the answer? Yeah. Are are these manufacturers that have tradition going to stick with the inline four-cylinder, or do you move to the V4? Which makes a lot more sense, you know. It, it, yeah. it has the ability to make more power and all that kind of stuff. But that's looking forward. Yeah. I think the future is we're looking at it right now. You have the Ducati at Misano on the Adriatic coast. You have Rinaldi, who is literally right there. He lives right down the street from the track and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that you could say that it's a it suits a Ducati, and I don't think that we're going to get the same thing at Donington, but we could. Well, you know, I think just I, you got you can't base everything off of one race. You're right. The Ducati just looked head and shoulders above everything else. You saw Rinaldi put in two good rides. Uh, Ray, I mean Johnny, I I haven't got a chance to reach out to him yet, but it was hard work for him this week. Um, Oof, it looked hard. It, yeah. it just looked, and you could just tell how hard he was riding in top rack too. And uh, look, I'm not saying that those guys shouldn't have to ride that that hard to win, but you could definitely tell this week. And again, it could just be because, look, I thought the racing was going to be way closer there. I went into the last weekend and I said, man, there's going to be some feelings hurt. There's going to be people getting bummed out and there could be some issues. But once Batista could get to the front, if he could run that one clean lap, it was, it was over. It was like, it was, he could get away and he could get out front and it was difficult for those guys to stay. And Johnny talked about, even though they've made big improvements on the bike under braking, that was one of the places that he struggled with. Just you know, in the heat, I think breaking breaking was an issue for him. When do you tip the cap to Bautista? Is he changed? I, that's right. We're four we're four races in to a twelve race series. He hasn't done what he 
You know, he started the year strong, not as strong as he did in 19 or whenever that, yeah, was it 19? Yeah. So when do you tip the cap to him? Well, no, you tip the cap to him anyways because he's, he's winning on the package that he needs to be on. But, Greg, we still got eight rounds to go. Like we, that, <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. It's not over for Johnny. If yeah. four rounds into it before in 19, and, I'm, and I definitely think Batista would have learned from that 100%. But we've got Donington next in mid-July. And then and and Donington is going to be a, a track that Batista obviously these guys all know these tracks anyways, but it's going to be an interesting. Uh, the Ducati's going to be good. There. It's going to be good everywhere. Um, you got the Czech round in in um, you know a Czech there that at most that's after, and then you got the French round, which to be honest with you, Magni Cor is is kind of a Ducati track as well because you got a lot of really, really slow turns where acceleration's important. And if you watched on the weekend that the acceleration of the Ducati, they couldn't get near him, you know, especially from a slow start. If if Batista's in front of you and you can't roll through the corner the way you want to and you get kind of in behind him, the Ducati just yards away. And that's that's what those guys are struggling with. Those, I talked to Al a little bit, Lowe's, and it's I told him, I said, you know, once... They get out of the corners, but once they get to third, fourth, fifth gear, they're just pulling. They're just like, you know. I mean, where Batista was passing those guys, I've ridden that track, that direction, that configuration. And where he was passing them going off the back straightaway into that really, really fast right, you never saw any other bikes get up alongside any other bikes, really. It's not an easy place to do that. And Batista was able to literally pull six to seven bike lengths on them He'd be three or four bike lengths behind them and pass them by the time they got to that kink. It's, it's a pretty big advantage. Yeah, I wonder if you give Kawasaki their 500 RPM back, what happens? You know, I thought they had it back. again, they developed, they they developed the they ZX-10. That? I thought they had that. Back. No, no, they didn't. So if they, you know, they developed that ZX-10RR specifically, <laughs> and then they were able to, to at least get 500 more horsepower out of the thing on stock, in stock trim. 500 and, more uh, horsepower? Sorry, 504 okay. wow. RPM. Somebody's cheating. And they took it. They took it away, and they haven't <laughs> given it back. I thought they did. All right, so, so no, nah, they I didn't. They didn't. So it's just, it's the same. It's the same RPM that the 10R has, and yeah. that's that's really the thing. It's like, what are you gonna do with the Yamaha? You know, I don't know what the limits are of the Yamaha. It seems like even in our in our series, if you just uh, you know if you, if you try to give it a little bit too much, it just gives up the ghost, and they start popping motors. So I don't know. I mean. Like I said, it's one race, Jay. It's it's no big deal, in my opinion. Let's go ahead and, and see what some other races are going to do. I think the magic of Ducati in Italy. It's right. It's World Superbike's only trip to Italy. I mean, you saw, it's so you know, crazy, Rossi yeah. showed up. Davizioso was there. Yeah. Uh, Mario Cipollini. I don't. Yep. You probably don't remember him, but Mario Cipollini, the cyclist, yeah, cyclist. I know um, who that is. Who's yeah. a beast? Yeah, he yep. was a beast in his day. He's still, dude, wicked fit. Like Johnny posted that thing, and I went and had a look at Cipollini's. Um, Instagram account because I haven't really even heard his name for eh, a couple of years. He he yeah. started a bicycle company there for a little while, but you know, and he was giving out trophies and stuff with Cipollini. So you know, you have Ducati, you have obviously Delinia was there. I mean, we don't see him a lot at World Superbike. You know, he he knows Bautista from the GP day. I mean, it's just a, it was a thing, it, and so sometimes that whole that whole stuff i mean you you got to look at the field though jay and just say all right we're, we're settled in on who the three are for the championship yeah. there's no doubt i mean yeah, those three like, would just pull away and then you can pepper in a couple other guys uh you know that might do well here or there but let, let's have the hard conversation all right let's th- this is a this is a tough one to have <sighs> garrett gerloff man 
You know, yeah. he's, he came off of injury, but he he had another struggle bus of a weekend. I mean, yeah. What you know? What do you think? I, this is a, you know a question I was going to ask Steve English, but what do you think Eric Gerloff's future is? Because I just don't think that World Superbike is going to be his future. I don't see it. Well, yeah, I find it hard to. There's there's the the kid's got pace. I mean, he's shown that he's got the pace. There's something legitimately completely changed in his mental side of things after last year at Assen. Uh whether he was reamed by Yamaha or whoever I mean it's it's literally like it's it bums me out because I know Garrett's got the pace and I know he's got the talent and I know he's got the ability to to ride a motorbike but for whatever reason it's he's it's he's like the puppy that keeps getting scolded like he's happy 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 and then until he's not you know and I don't know I don't think that he's lost the ability to understand how racing works, but he's definitely lost an edge as far as trying to get up the inside of guys or off the starts or whatever. There's something that has just been lost. Like he's kind of, I don't want to say he's lost the edge, but it's kind of like that, you know? And it bums me out because wasn't he, wasn't he like second quickest or quickest or something over one of the sessions? This first, week? first session. I think early on he was, he, he was, was right going there. well. So, you know, the thing is, is he's got the abilities and he had two kind of lackluster races and then crashed in the last one. And, but Greg, I, I don't know, man. Like, don't you think somebody will take a chance on him? Somebody will, you know, it's almost like he needs a change. It's almost like he's got a, I, and I don't know what that is. It seems like he likes his team and all that, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't have the answer. I, I had dinner with him last year in Jerez and he's, you know he's fine, uh, but I just don't know. I don't have the answer for 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 Garrett. I know there there are more races left, but everybody's looking to fill seats fill seats right now for the rest of the season. You know, for next year, next two years coming up. You know, I, I well, look across World yeah. Supersport. World Supersport is is they had some great races this weekend in World Supersport, but Dominica Gerter comes out on top, does the double, and we're going to talk about World Supersport race number one. Because he shouldn't have won that race. Uh, well, he did. No, he should have won it, right? Like, there was some well, green paint involved in the whole situation. But anyway. He was, he was second over the line again. And we see another racer get it taken away from him. And, you know, but, dude, look. Dominica Goethe is... Okay, so this is what's weird sometimes, right? And I know you and I have had this discussion about other people in the past. But I look at Dominica Goethe. The guy is so good. He plans his races so well. He like there's everything about him that you go like, this guy just should be on Superbike immediately. Why is it that in my stomach, and probably in the stomachs of many over there, he doesn't just get promoted? Is it because of his age? Is it because he's been around for so long? Is it what is it? Because he is by far and away, all those kids, all those guys in Supersport with him over there are not anywhere near the class that Dominica Goethe is. Not even close. The guy has won six races in a row, won the World Championship last year, arguably could do the double World Championship this year if he wins Moto E, which he should have won last year, if you remember. Um, yep. Right? So when you look at it, Dominica Goethe is a guy that you go, well, here's one guy that's got to take somebody's place next year. Would you agree? Yes. But why is why are we not hearing that? Yep, Dominic Agurta. Like right now on that on Garrett's team, there's no way Nazani comes back. So right away, there's at least one spot available. At least Garrett has shown that he's got pace. 
right? That's half the battle. But Nozani's gone, so why haven't they already come out and said, hey, we're getting Agurta next year to team up on this team? I don't know what's going on over there. And I don't know if, if, if Kota Nozani's gone. I he's mean, got, they, he's know, gotta that, be. But who else are you gonna put in there on the Japanese side of things? I know, and, and, and it gets, I, I say it gets tiring, and I don't mean it to sound bad, but it's like, it's put the best person on there for the job. Doesn't matter where they come from. I mean, I get it. I understand that we. I, I know that, but that's not. Know. It has to. I think. I think that. And Steve Ingle should know better. But I. I think it has something to do with like development and and some other things that are involved with Yamaha. I mean, it. it there's there's a sense to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. I don't know. I mean, was, I, I, I know he was up for the Honda ride. He wanted the Honda ride this year. He didn't get it. Yeah, Honda. but you're right. I, I think it's age. And again, Steve could shine some some more light on it. But dude, I mean, he's got Dominic has got all the pieces. His post race press conference of race two, which I'm, I know you didn't see because as soon as racing's over, Jason doesn't care. But he <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. So do well. All right. Did you see it? I didn't did even know that they did a press conference for Super Sport. <laughs> you didn't know that that they in in Park Fermi they stick a mic in someone's face. No, you didn't I saw realize that. that. I saw that. I you, thought you were talking about press you, conference though. No, the post race. I, I mean, post race press interview. Sorry, no. post race interview. Get your shit right. Gerda did it. What? Get your shit right. If you're going to say press conference, you're talk. That's different than getting an interview after the race. So don't be a dickhead and call me out like that, and then you know First not even all, have your Richard, facts right. It's Richard. Richard, dead to you, jackass. <laughs> My point is that he said something like it was hot, right? And he was tired. And he literally invited the entire TV crew that he was talking to, the commentator, the the camera guy, to, to go to the beach and have a cocktail with him. Like right. what I'm saying is is He that invited everybody, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I yeah, I don't watch those. Have you been you've been to Mizano, right? You race Oh, dude, it's the best. Mizano, I hated the track. Uh, but I hated the which direction? My, which direction? The did direction you go? they went. This the, the direction they went. Counter. The, yeah, they went counterclockwise. It was right? it, the team I was on was such a shitbox team that when I showed up there Thursday <laughs> afternoon, there were no motors in my bikes, and they were saying that they were hoping oh, they great. were going to be there. So on Friday morning, my first session at Mizano, I'm out there with Haga, Corser, Bayless, you know, and I'm breaking in a motor for a full session. I'm riding around with my head on a swivel. I got to be black flag now. Like now, they wouldn't even allow it because I was out there riding around at seven thousand RPM. Yeesh! For a wow. session, that's my first World Superbike session at Mizano. Thank you, team. Dude, even though there brutal. was a there was a dyno, I said, "Can you guys go break the bike in on the dyno?" Like yeah. I don't even know the track. Like it was bad. Anyways, Sheesh. shit team. I went clockwise. So yeah, I know. I haven't, I haven't raced it in that, or ridden it in that configuration. The highlight but. of the the highlight of Mizano for me was getting on a scooter and ripping down to the beach and having an ice cream in the evenings because you could go down there and get a gelato. So I'd I'd have I'd have dinner at the hospitality, and it's then I'd beach. rip it's on a little beach. scooter and go straight down. And it was only about five minutes down the road, so mm-hmm. you could just get there. And I mean, you know, if you like topless beaches and stuff, I don't. I it, think it's it, very very you know. Well, poor you're taste. an idiot, and I. <laughs> Yeah. Boobs. I could only go. Hashtag, I only made it down boobs. there. I only made it down there twenty times in the three days I was there. So you know. Yeah, for the ice cream. Yeah, for, for the, the ice cream. cream. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Anyways, anyway. yeah, but Mazzano's cool. Mazzano, I think, is a cool place. Um, it just wasn't the greatest for me. Yeah. So on the World Super Sports side, there was a race. Came down to the checkered flag. Agurta and um, Baldassari. Baldassari. Balda. He goes wide. 
by two millimeters. No, yeah. it was a little bit more than that. It was a centimeter. Even if it was he, grass he, there, he wouldn't have got past. It's he would have he would have been fine if there was grass there. But yes. anyway, so they come across the line. I don't even know what it was. Two tenths of a second. Yeah, and he gets knocked one spot. How about his cele- How about his, How about the poor bastard's celebration though? He's celebrating after after his win, and he has no clue they've taken it away from him. And he's out there just. I felt bad for him. He handled it pretty well, I have to say. In Park Ferme, he did a really he good. Handled job. it really well because yeah, I stuck around and watched the interviews. G Dub in Park Ferme, not the press conference. No, but yeah, blip, 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 I thought he blip, handled it. Blip. I thought he handled it really well. You sound like a broken motor. How anyway, about, so hey, not to uh, jump ship here, but what about? I, so yeah, so World Supersport, yeah, you did a good job there. Now get back to World Superbike. What uh, what what about the Hondas? They actually showed a little bit of promise with VR. I was and thinking Lecarona. the same thing when I was watching it. Yeah, they yeah, look good. A little bit better. I mean, They're I'm, I'm better. bummed to see Vieira get hurt, uh, but he should be okay in a month's time, I'd reckon. And but those guys, those guys did really well. I mean, there's a couple guys though, G Dub like Locatelli. Like I I thought that we'd see him kind of move forward this year but you know first race he's 13 seconds back you know in that in the in the first race of the weekend so i didn't i didn't what was he in the race two i don't really look at the super pole race as far as distances yeah i mean he was he was sixth in super pole and then in race number two 20 seconds back Mm -hmm. 13 seconds behind his teammate so Locatelli, Lekawona, uh, Lekawona. I thought, like I said, the Hondas were at least closer. But I mean, G-Dub, the first, the second race. I mean, Batista wins by seven seconds. I mean, when was the last time you saw Johnny fourteen seconds back? No, that's it's yeah, it, it's Cra- it was just crazy like, racing. I, it just it was. And Batista said in Super Bowl <clears throat> he missed a setup. You know, it, it, and they went back to the setup that they had on Saturday. Had he started that race with that setup. I'm not sure that Raz Gottlieb would have had that race pace to win. Well, those guys just got away. They, the they, they just got away. They they literally, when when he got through, uh, it took, when Top Rack got through, it took Batista a little time to get by Johnny, and those guys were, you know, they were going at each other pretty hard. So, mm. yeah. Next race, Donington Park. I was It was the race I was going to go to, but turns out I'm not going to go to it now. Um, I'm going to wait till August to fly over there, but... No. Yeah, but yeah, Darlington Park. It's so gonna no, be... so no sign Johnny Ray hat for the guy who won the. Oh yeah, no, we're gonna get it. I'm going over. Yeah, we're gonna get it. You know who won it? He works uh, for the um, Titlers Cycle Team. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I'm stoked. It's it it. Hey, we'll hey get, how about we're gonna uh, get it sorted? There was some other race that went on. Just want to mention it real quick. Uh, one of them is American Flat Track. At, they were up at Laconia. You know, nor- normally we would be up there. You know. 30 years ago in New Hampshire for that whole Father's Day week weekend thing. Uh, and it ended up that our boy J.D. Beach ended up taking a big dub. So Love J.D. That. ends up winning the race over his teammate Dallas Daniels, Vanderkoy, uh, and so on back through the field in terms of uh, like Briar Bauman and Jared Meese, the number one versus the number three there. They were like five and six. So it looked like the track was a bit... Uh, trash so no, it looked like it looked like the shitty track that we used to have to race up on up yeah, there. no no kidding so Mies is leading that championship 122 over dallas daniels on the yamaha at 107 and then briar bauman in third at 100 so they still have what that was round six of 17 for them yep. so they still have a long way to go on that one on the pro motocross side your boy kenny roxon 
gets the overall. Jay goes 2-1 over Eli Tomac, who goes 1-3. Chase Sexton, 4-2. Tell us what happened in that that melee of stuff. Well, it was crazy because the actually the racing was was pretty was actually really good. And in the second moto on the 450 class, Sexton went took the lead. Roxon did his normal stuff where he's out front uh, so fast at the beginning. Caroli was up there. I think he finished fourth or fifth overall. Caroli, Antonio Caroli. I finished fifth overall. Fifth and overall, he signed with good. Star Yamaha. For is that rest- real? I don't know if that's real. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's real. I saw it, but I don't think it's real. He's been a KTM guy for life. He's like an ambassador for them. So Yeah, maybe uh, that was a joke. Yeah, it might have been a joke. I don't know. Um, but but what was crazy, G-Dub, is Sexton kind of did it again. He's out in front. He's got the second motor wrapped up. He's going to win the overall. Life is going to be great as you know it. And then he, <laughs> he tips off with like three or four corners to go with like a three or four second lead. Really, really pedestrian type of crash. Felt so bad for that guy. That guy's going to win some championships. He's going to win a lot of championships, I think. Sexton's too good not to. But, again, a small mistake ruined it for him. It was good to see Roxon get an overall. Tomac finished, I think, second overall, third overall. I can't remember because it's... Second. Yeah, second. Was Sexton third? Yeah, he went 4-2. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's one of those things where... Um, and hold on to your hats, people. Jet Lawrence... Goes two two for the overall. It was uh, really wild to see him. Yeah, Kitchen won the first race, and then Jet's brother Hunter won the second one. Both those were by pretty big margins. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, Jet's just doing what he needs to do. He's like, hey, Kitchen was better than me in the first race. I couldn't do anything with him. In the second race, because Hunter was better than me in the second race, I couldn't do anything with him. Gets two two, rolls <laughs> on, leads, you know, moves away and you know pulls away in the championship even more. So good battle between Roxon and Tomac in the second moto, like like good hard clean racing. I think everybody kind of thought Roxon would just kind of like let Tomac through and then just follow, but fought the whole time. And then with Sexton going down, that battle is what really won Kenny the overall. So they go on to well, see, that's what, when do they, they? They don't race this next weekend, right? They have a weekend off, or they go this next weekend? I don't remember. So well, let's take a look. I mean, it doesn't really. But yeah. motocross, uh, let's see. So the next race they have is going to be, um, they were just at Thunder Valley? Were they? Yeah. They go yep. To, yep. Yeah. They, they were. They go to High Point. So I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't have the schedule here. But High, High Point's got to be the next one. So that one's all the way across the country, I think. So might yeah. be... Uh, might be in a little while. Anyway, well, I think that I think that um, you know that championship's going to be fun, kind of watch. But that that Caroli thing is really interesting. So like, I don't know if you can. Uh, I'm just pulling up Racer X right now to see if that's even. I, it's there's no way it can be real. While I say that, so um, yeah, I don't see it anywhere on Racer X. So I think it might have been. Uh, yeah, it's not real. So High Point June 18th. No, so they're racing this weekend. They're they're at oh Wars. they are. This uh-huh. weekend. Got it. Got it. Well, we also got another race this weekend, G-Dub. MotoGP is we back. Do. We got Saxon oh, Ring. We got the Saxon Ring, G-Dub. And I saw a stat yesterday that I'm sure you know better than I do. The ring. The what? The last time anything but a Honda won there. Oh, now I'm going to forget it because I, I don't want to mess it up. But am I right in saying it's been like 10 years or something since a Honda won there? Or since something Since a Honda hasn't won. Hasn't yeah. won. Is, is that right? Probably. Am I... They, I think, I think it was a Yamaha. Um, 
Yeah, I gotta look it up. I, I hate that I just kind of let into that, and then I don't actually everything have the you stat. need to know about the German Grand Prix. Let's see, round Tell ten, us. yada yada. Yeah, because yada, yada. I cannot remember. I did see a stat yesterday, and I was like, "Is that even real?" So, yeah. Anyways. Oh, it's the time schedule. That was the time schedule. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 been a long time. Yeah. It's. But it, I mean, it is a Mark Mark. And remember, last year Mark was coming back from injury, and it was a big emotional win for him, and you know those types of things. I mean, it was. So it's not going to be that this year by any stretch of the imagination. I think if you pile that kind of pressure on Polo Spargo, even though they did find a little something in the test yeah. after the last race, I mean, if you're looking ahead at it, Jay, I think this is a true test for Ducati in terms of their development and how far the bike has come to see how competitive they are at this particular track. Uh, one thing, if you haven't ever been to Saxon Ring, it is so much elevation. Have you been there, Jay? I have not. It is. There's so much elevation there that you don't, you can't get the sensation of on TV, and you can get a little bit of it if you play video games. But if you saw the mountain that we had to climb to get from the TV compound just to the paddock, and and it just goes up and down. One of the things that's really cool about it, though, is if you're a spectator from inside the paddock and the ring road around there, because you have a lot of elevation changes, you can see a lot more of the racetrack than you can some other places. Yep. But it's pretty small. Uh, yeah. Like, it feels Phillip Island small. Oh, it if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Phillip Island is yeah. a lot smaller than people really think. When you're standing there and you're going around it, you know, there's some parts of Phillip Island that get really snug. And it's just kind of the same for me. It's a different feeling. It's so steep elevation and it's just a different, it's very German track. Yep. You know, I believe Saxon yep. Ring was in the, I can't remember, where, like Dresden? Isn't that where we stayed? Dresden. I, you I know, think? it's just one place, only place I've ever, I've raced, uh, I raced two places in Germany. I raced Osterschleben, and mm. I raced um, the Nurburgring. So you raced the Nurburgring? I did. They raced oh, the World track, the, the old. Yeah, the, the, old, the track. old track. That well, the old track was like seven. Well, not miles the long. old old track. Yeah, that's. I, I, I wrote. I I drove around that one. That's it's the one with the right. banking, right? Like. Oh yeah. The, yep. the old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. And they used to have GPS there. That's what's so crazy. Like. <laughs> Seven mile long track. Safety. Safety. Yeah. Pretty wild. Things Pretty have changed. Wild. Things have changed. Things have gotten better. Anyway, so yeah, we'll be talking MotoGP next weekend. We'll probably touch on a little bit of uh, what happens in Pro Motocross as well. And we'll preview the Ridge Motorsports Park for Moto America as we're yep. heading up to Seattle. I'm over and up. You're just up to Seattle. So that's going to be an interesting weekend. We've This will be our third trip to the Ridge. And so far, it's been nothing but Yamaha's. Well, it's going to be it? it's going to be in the yeah, 70s too. It's going to be like 30 or to be almost 40 degrees cooler than it was last year there. Yeah. But that's still, Gagne did the did Gagne did the double last year and then Cam Bobier did the double the first year. But we'll talk more about that in next week's show. So, with that in mind, I'm going to have Jason, to do the pod, where I'm going to have to do the podcast from up there cuz I'm leaving G-Dub. I'm leaving this Thursday. I'm going to go up there Thursday and yeah. and Mallory Dobbs, who's never done a Motor America race, she actually rides really well, really well. I'm going to go up and ride with her, I think, on Friday up at the Ridge. So going to try to just kind of help her out a little bit. And then they have a club race weekend at the same time. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then um, there's a couple track days, Monday, Tuesday, I might try to ride on. Um, and just I'm going to stay up there for the week. So oh, I'm going cool. to be up there. And then, of course, there's some... Wait, are we, are we staying together? Do we have a place to stay? I can't I remember. already got you covered, G-Dub. 
All right, we're good. All right, I got you. That, that is always helpful. Is yeah. our girl Steph going to be there? Right, last time I was up. Right, Steph is her name. Like the she was a student last time we were up there. I think. Yep. Yep. Stephanie will be there. I'm sure she'll be there. She last year she did some flagging, I think. And no, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to getting up there, and it's a place that I love. I mean, I like just going up there. Bring so. your microphone, please. Bring your microphone, please. Oh yeah, your bring microphone. Bring yeah. your microphone. Yeah, I'll try to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, right, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it with me. Um, but yeah, next. Stop so, by Debris. Are you driving? You're not. You're flying up there. I'm flying up. I'm gonna fly Thursday. Nice I was gonna say, if you're driving, you drive right by Debrino's house, and you can stop and see the zebra. I'm dying to see the zebra. I gotta have to have, have a chat with him about this. I don't know exactly know where where. Uh, I don't know where Andy lives up there. Is he's he in, in Oregon? Oregon? He's okay. in Oregon. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting weekend because. There are some fast local guys up in Washington, and I think that there'll be some fast guys up there, um, you know, like Debrino, Jeremy Coffey, obviously, they're part of our national championship, but I know that there's some other fast guys that are going to be up there. Well, and, cool. So um, you'll get to talk to Colstead. I'm sure you'll see Colstead up there on the 600. So I'm sure I'll let's see get a report. Yeah. Let's get a report then for how that how that series goes next week. Tell us yep. about uh, your experience there, and uh, tell us about your love fest with your new golf buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly right. It'll be interesting to see how... All that works out, but we've got so this weekend, G Dub, we got some Moto GP, we got motocross. We're styling. Don't forget, he doesn't listen to me, people. He I don't care. Listens. I already know you did all that. I already know you did it. I know you did it, but I'm excited about the race weekend ahead. Man, okay. you've been a little bit of a dick on this podcast. I got to be fair. Hmm. Yeah, Richard. 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 Richard Head. <laughs> all right, everybody. Hey, hour and twenty, hour and fifteen in. And uh, thanks for listening. And we're gonna get some people on our podcast next. I might. I'm gonna reach out next week. Is as I know you don't know this. Is BSB this weekend? Are they at Knock Hill? Oh my God, you just you have a hard time saying goodbye. BSB. No, I know you want me to say goodbye, but I'm I'm trying to see if you know. I'm working on things here for you, G Dub. I'm here for you. The British yeah. Superbike Calendar has the next event is yeah Knock Hill, 17th oh, through the yes. 19th. Okay. All right. Well, that's just, you know, I'm just working on, you know, I got to get a couple people on here. You don't have enough pull anymore to get people on our show. So Wow. You know? Wow. That is true. That yeah. is true. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye.